Today's episode of the Mourner's Bench is brought to you by, can you guess? Can you guess? Uh... Theo Lab Media. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. Johnny Tiller, what she's won. You have won an all access pass to TheoLabMedia.com. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you go, you can also sign up for our newsletter free. When is that going to start up? January of 2021. Woo. Do you know what Theo Lab Media is since you have the first right answer? Well, it is. I don't remember all the words. <laughs> You failed. <laughs> I just lost my all access pass. How I? can we expect our listeners to know all of the words if you don't even know them? Theolab Media exists to transform how humans engage faith, spirituality, culture, and the world around them. Theolab believes candid conversations, kind of like what we do here, right? That's right. We're pretty right. candid. We are, wait till you hear Pastor Sam and I. Oh, Lord, I can't wait. Y'all, were y'all sarcastic? Mm, nah, we talked about humor. Y'all are both sarcastic. Y'all are the most sarcastic humans that I know. I cannot wait to hear this. Oh my God. Okay, anyways. So we believe candid, com- Theolab believes, also, also we, we believe <laughs> candid conversations rooted in vulnerability, mutual respect, and authenticity. Conversations that do not require unquestioning loyalty to one religious group or belief hmm. system can inspire us, each of us, to be more fully human. I That's like a- the way that sounds. I do too. I'm glad to be a part of this. Me too. If you would like to be a part of Theolab Media, go ahead and visit the website. You too, just because you're listening. Free, all access pass to theolabmedia.com. Visit today. Sign up for the newsletter. Everybody gets an all access pass. You get an all access pass. (laughs) You get an all access pass. You get an all access pass. Let's get started. What is up, good people? Welcome back to the Mourner's Bench. It's so good to... Be on your ears. <laughs> I'm Brandon Thomas. I'm KT. And we also got Pastor Sam in the room. What's up, Pastor Sam? Oh, you ain't gonna talk. That's fine. Whatever. I'm just here for a handoff. Today, it's Pastor Sam and Katie. Katie, tell them what they won. <laughs> Brandon, it has been a true gift to be able to get to know Pastor Sam and Malcolm better through these one-on-one conversations. I'm grateful for this unconventional way of stumbling into deeper friendship. I think you're going to enjoy this one as Pastor Sam and I talk about humor, our loved ones, what makes us tick, and what makes us ticked. Let's get into it. I hear you, girl. I'm out. Where do we begin? <laughs> I don't know where we begin. I've known you for what, like nine months now? Yeah. What do you think about me? <laughs> you think I'm a joke? I think that one of the ways that we have connected is through humor. And I think that that is an easy and safe way. And I think that means that we get along a lot, but we laugh a lot together. It's an easy and safe way. Yeah. What do you mean by safe way? What? You think I'm being safe with you? That's my question for you. No. Absolutely not. Yeah, I think some of the things that I say to you or in your presence are things that I probably could not say to like 80 or 90% of (laughs) people in general, but probably like 99% of white people. Mm -hmm. So uh, (laughs) so it's definitely not safe. I I think I'm a little less guarded Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. you. I think that's because I trust you. I think coming into this new space, this new job, we're co-workers, we're colleagues. I learned really quickly that you were somebody that I could trust. And I tend to be a very guarded person. So if I don't think I can trust you, 
the walls are up, right? Yeah, like yeah. I'm, there's certain things I will or won't say. There's certain things I will or won't do. But I, I think I think I realized that I could trust you. That's cool. You're good people. I appreciate you affirming that you feel less guarded. I think at first I was like, oh, Sam's just going to joke. That's going to be the way we connect. And that has been the way that we've gotten to know each other and connect. I have seen you. When conflict goes up, you're like... <laughs> that's when you put up walls. That's what I experienced. And, and that's interesting because I'm not a conflict avoidant person. Uh-huh. But I think we have a lot of different dynamics going on. Like we work together, all of that stuff. Yeah. So if it's like conflict in the context of work, it's not always my role or yeah. my responsibility to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. And so... It's like, oh, nope, not my fate grade. <laughs> not, not my me. lane. <laughs> not yeah. my lane. And so I shut down. Now, if it was conflict like in friendship or personal relationship, I, I would almost be more prone to say, okay, we got to deal with this. Less, you know, I'm yeah. less conflict avoidant. And so it's interesting that nuance. So Yeah, yeah. So so your your observation is more I think because we are colleagues yeah. and that comprises most of our shared space and time together. Right. You notice that probably a lot more. But I do want you to know it's not because I avoid conflict because I don't. I actually like conflict. <laughs> I see that with Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> like like I told Brandon, I would take I wouldn't like take a bullet for you. <laughs> but you but push I would me, push you out of the you way. You push me out of the way, would, just I, like you yeah, told him. I yeah, would, yeah. Like I would duck. Like <laughs> I would let someone shoot at me. <laughs> but I'm not gonna take the bullet. <laughs> like what's the point of that? Like why there would I take no, a bullet? There's you know? no point in that. Now if they say you have to take this bullet or Katie's gonna die, then I will ask them to let me be a pallbearer at your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true about everybody and there almost everybody right. except my wife i take a bullet for my wife but you know even my mom she's lived twice <laughs> as long as i have i mean her time may be up right. exactly. you know mom he's putting you out you say that the only person you would take the bullet for is your wife yes what makes her different my insurance policy is higher than her <laughs> <laughs> so she gets more She gets paid more If I take the bullet I honestly thought I was going to get Something romantic there <laughs> I did not think I was going to get Something about An insurance policy You clearly have A lot to learn about me My wife is spending Most of the month Of December Visiting her family yeah. um, In South Africa Since I left college I've basically lived alone. And so getting married was an adjustment to have mm-hmm. someone else who's with you in the house with you. Your your lives are being kind of meshed together mm-hmm. in this specific way. It's an adjustment. Mm-hmm. I can't say that it was bad. It, was, it definitely wasn't bad. It, it was an adjustment. Right, right. <laughs> it, 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 it took some intentionality, some time, some commitment, some hard work, it was an adjustment. But then whenever she goes, after a few days, you know, it's like, wait a minute. It's almost like I'm, I'm going back to when I was in grad school or something, living alone. It's like lonely. I mean, I have a dog now, so it's not as yeah, lonely. But right. I was just like, I want my wife back. Yeah. So I really miss just the presence of somebody mm-hmm. else really doing life with somebody. And that's what that's what we've always called it since we've been dating that we're doing life together. Yeah. It is so intentional. Even if even when it's frustrating, even when you're like banging your head against the wall because it's so intentional, it adds a certain level of value. And so when that thing is missing, yeah. You feel it. Yeah. You know it. It's very apparent. Yeah. Because I haven't 
committed to this journey with anyone else in this way, there's nobody else in the world that I would want to be with, a, you know, want to be yeah. doing this with. And so when she's gone, I'm like, come back, I miss you. <laughs> so that's why I take a bullet for her because we've, We've invested too much. Yeah. She needs. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without her. You know, we're only two years into this marriage, but I feel like we're 40 years in. So, hey. In a good way. In a good way. How are you able to create a way of doing Christmas together, even though you're not together this year? Have you figured that out yet? Well, we haven't yet. There are a lot of things like my family. Um, number one, she's a world away from her family. So, some of the traditions on this side of the world with my family is like a large Christmas gathering with our family, with our extended family. My grandma had 12 kids. We mm. all usually come together. Those um, those kids that are still living and their kids and their kids. And she she really enjoyed that last year. But I would like for us to, I want to travel mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. I want to travel on just about every significant occasion of our life on mm-hmm. my birthday, which we did this year on her birthday, which is three days after Christmas. So that would be two birds with one right, stone right. Um, on our anniversary on like, I want to try, I want to see the world and I want to see the world with her. Yeah, and yeah. Um, we, we have plans to do that. We're excited about it, but those are the, those are the traditions that I want to start yeah, with her. Yeah. So who would you take a bullet for? <laughs> <laughs> Jordan I, I, I knew that that was going to be the answer Not Janet hmm. Wow Janet I hope you <laughs> Mom, I probably I hope would listening. Unfortunately like I would probably Probably like take a bullet for way too many people Oh yeah I hope this isn't too morbid We're talking about taking bullets I know <laughs> That's a yeah. But talk to me about your relationship with Jordan because I think it's a beautiful relationship. I love Jordan is such an amazing little person, young person, and I attribute that to um, your role and activity <laughs> in her life. She has, you can tell, you know, like some. Uh, I, I would guess the the old folks or or previous generations will say you 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 know somebody has a good upbringing. You know, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. your mom was raising you well or something <laughs> right. like that. Right. Um, and so that's that's one of my first thoughts when I see Jordan. Like she she has been reared very well, mm-hmm. um, and I attribute that to you. Am I wrong? Should I attribute that to someone else? <laughs> you should not attribute it to someone else, or, or you could attribute it to God. I, yeah, because one of the things I have tried to let her know um, from the very start is she's not going to have a perfect mom. She's going to have a a good enough mom and that's what I am. But she is a true gift and has challenged me a lot. We are complete opposites and exactly alike all at the same time. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's like the biggest extrovert and she will, I mean, she was calling the justice department trying to stop this execution. I mean, she is oh wow. She I is love it. on it. She is always challenging me on the things that I tried to raise her to be right about. She's sweet and she's creative and and in moments that is what gives us life and in other moments that is what causes made the greatest frustration like when she (laughs) wants to creatively not do her homework you know I've been really proud of her recently because she wanted to get a dog because this this pandemic has just been so challenging and I still haven't got over my dog who died about 10 years ago now but she really wanted one and I said "I, I, I am not paying for this dog I'm not taking care of this dog and so she's 
she started a dog walking business and she she is like walking dogs for about eight miles a week wow. with different dogs in our neighborhood and, and near the school. And she has raised the money. She did all the research on what toys, what vet, um, how she was going to take care of it, how she's going to train this dog. And so we got Daisy, uh, D-A-Y dash Z, the dog, <laughs> um, at the beginning of November. And it's a challenge and a gift and um, has been, it's just been really good to see her focus on something. We have limited, I mean, what, eight months, nine months, and then a lot of that has been centered around work. Right, So right. we've never just hung out or went out to the bar, probably because I don't drink. But, right, and I don't uh, drink a lot. So. <laughs> right. And you started March 6th. Everything shut down on March 12th. I keep telling people I literally was in the office four days, yep. four work days before they said work from home. Yeah. And so, I mean, thankfully you and I work in the same office. Right, right. <laughs> so if I barely know you, whew, think about the rest of the people that we work with. Right. I don't know anybody. But I, I still feel like that hasn't been a barrier to yeah. me becoming comfortable with you. Right, right. Or even desiring like more of a friendship. Like you were somebody I trust and it's crazy because I don't, I don't think I know you really well like on an intimate level like we haven't sat down and had dinner or had right. lunch and had these deep conversations about each other to hear about how you were brought up we got to hang out and we've got to talk more because i do want to know i mean what makes you tick hmm. what hmm. makes you angry what makes you happy yeah you know all of those things i want to know tell me tell me now i like to say that our family my dad my brother myself Jordan, the thing that makes us most angry is not telling the truth. Mm. And I think that that truth telling or the lack of truth telling can be a problem. <laughs> like, like we can take it too far. Like I can get really, really, really mad and I can get focused on the person who is lying and not be able to listen to that person then. Like that's where my grace goes away. I think in general, I have a lot of grace, but when it comes to truth telling, I oh, yeah, throw I that out you. the window. Are you an eight on the Indian? I am not an eight. You sure? Don't <laughs> say it like something's wrong with us. <laughs> that's right. I forgot you were an eight. Yeah, we just changed the whole focus so, of this episode. So watch yourself now. I'm a nine with a one wing or a one with a nine wing. Uh, depends on who you ask. I'm the same way, though. Um, I often tell folks the worst thing you can do is lie to me or lie on me. Mm -hmm. um, that infuriates me. Yeah. Like you say, grace goes out of the window. Respect goes out of the window. I have nothing for you Yeah. Yeah. if you can lie to me. And it's so funny because I don't have any children, but r helping raising my nieces and nephews, you know, kids almost, I shouldn't say they have this in almost innate ability, especially when they think they're going to get in trouble and you ask them a direct question. They're like, no, did you touch that thing? No. I would be like, oh, what you're not going to do. You're not going to look me in my face and lie to me. Right. And, you know, my nephews came and stay with me in Atlanta one time. And literally I'm watching my nephew do something and I ask him, did he do it? And he's like, no, I didn't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, you are not, I'm, you, I'm sitting up here feeding you this week and mm -hmm. doing, you're going to sit here and look me in my eye and lie to me. I was, I was so mad. Yep. yep. So yeah, that's one of those things. I can't, yep. I can't deal with that as well. Yeah. Well, I'll say to Jordan, what's the worst thing? She said, lying. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what makes you tick. <laughs> that's what makes me ticked. Um, <laughs> let's see. What makes me tick? 
I think being seen or being known, which is interesting. That was the first thing that came to my head, though. I think that's where humor comes into. Like for me, I don't know lines of jokes, but if I know someone, I can be funny. I can laugh about something that happened before or pull things together. Mm-hmm. I like to see other people and mm. I like to be seen. And the places for me, like when the church was keeping me out because I was gay, they weren't looking at the fruits of the spirit, right? They weren't looking at who I was. They were just seeing lesbian and then saying no. And so I think my greatest disappointment is when people don't see me. And I think that I work to see other people and that's how I know that that I can trust someone. One, that I can see who they are and that they see who I am. Have you ever felt unseen by me? I haven't. I haven't. And I think that's, I was reflecting on the humor, right? I mean, that's been a place where, because initially I was like, oh, that's Sam's way of kind of keeping a a little bit of a distance. And you were like, no, that's kind of how I am. And so just sitting here now, I was like, yeah, because when we joke, we joke about like the reality of the world. That's not a harassment. It's not, it's it's about who we are. And and I feel Uh, seen in that. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I think I, I do use humor to diffuse. I won't say that I use it to keep a distance. I actually think it's a it's a it's something that I use to 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 draw people in close. Mm-hmm. If there's a dynamic between me and a person that I don't have anything for them, or I don't trust them, I don't. Then there's a there's more of a wall. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be humor. It's almost yeah. going to be silence. It's almost going to be minimal interaction. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't I don't have a great poker face. I, I'm not good at like if you have crossed a line with me, it's hard for me to be like oh, <laughs> right. you know how right. are you blah 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 blah. I might not even speak. I might just look at you like you. I can't stand you. Right. Like it's right. just hard for me to 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 fake it. Yeah, it's I, hard. Yeah. I can't engage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and so if I'm using humor and engaging on that level, it's because. I think on some level I do, tr- I am drawing yeah. you in. I yeah. am trying yeah. to develop uh, some type of normal relations yeah. with a person. Yeah. So, yeah, that's funny. I was thinking about love languages that we talked about on Tuesday. And uh, <laughs> one of the things my brother and I joke about is that our love language is like complete and total harassment. Like if I, <laughs> if, 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 I if I care about you, if I love you, if I trust you, I'm going to yeah. just rail on you completely. Yep. That, that's what it means to be yeah. in relationship. Every friend that I have will tell you the same thing, mm-hmm, that I treat mm-hmm. them like crap. Right. I mean, I mean <laughs> exactly. that's the language they use, but they also know that right. that means something. Yeah, yeah. I create this dynamic with everyone who I end up becoming some type of close friend with, you know, I have a friend from Brazil who I went to seminary with. And literally the last time I saw him and I walked in their house and I spoke to his wife and his daughter and he walks in the room and I was like, oh God, you're here. And he's (laughs) like, and then it's like this crazy like dynamic and, but, but that happens with almost everybody that is, has some significance in my life. Because if you don't, then I'm just like, hey, how are you? Right, right. <laughs> now everybody listening is going to know that. <laughs> I know. So if I'm like, hey, are you thinking? Like, oh, what did I do? Oh my gosh, Sam hates me. Right. What makes you tick? What is your What is your definition of makes you tick? What brings you life? I don't know if this question is hard because there are a number of things or if this question is hard because, you know, there are some things that you never have had to articulate mm-hmm. or answer mm-hmm. in a very direct way. 
Right. You might know what brings you life, but you've never had to say it. Right, right. So what makes me come alive is really empowering others, helping others see the value, the worth that exists within them. And, and, I, and I think that happens in a lot of different ways. I think everyone has value. Mm-hmm. I think it's unfortunate that we live in a world that doesn't reinforce or encourage people to see the value in themselves. And I've encountered people who struggle. With it. And I think at times I've struggled with it myself. Mm-hmm. And there are even times that while I'm struggling with it, I'm trying to help others see the value in themselves. Mm. And when they can see that, when they do realize that they are valuable, they are important, that brings me life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I see my, like what makes me come alive or my vocation or calling, which I think those are all synonymous as helping create space for people to be the person that God created them to be. There's a lot of similarity there. You've got to know your self-worth in order to be able to recognize the unique gifts that um, that yeah. you've been given. And so I think it's interesting that that, that makes both of us come alive. And, and maybe that's why it makes both of us mad when people don't tell the truth because yeah. it is such an affront to, to the uniqueness and the gift that each individual person is. Together, we probably make a great team. Wait, are you saying together we would make a great team? Yeah. Are you proposing to me? <laughs> Exactly. Um, no, no, no. Jamie, I am not. <laughs> My wife will kill you. No, no, no. I, I, I don't think she's worried. All yours. Um, there's not, right? I mean, we, we work here. We're a great team together. I know, I know. Let's take a break and then get back into it. I'm trying not to laugh at you drinking your lawnmower juice. <laughs> so if people are wondering what lawnmower juice is, I'm juicing right now and I have a juice that's green because it's filled with spinach and celery and uh, rainbow chard and Brussels sprouts and juice from all these great green things. And Katie has called it lawnmower juice. All those things are good sautéed and roasted, but goodness I also like the the version of white person you are. <laughs> Please say more. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, you know, there's some people in general that make me itch. There are certainly some white people or versions of white people that make me itch. I think some of those versions are folks who aren't aware of their whiteness and the way that it impacts others, whether those are others who are directly related to them, who are in their orbit, who are a part of their circles, who are connected to them in some significant way, or people who they have no relation to. I I think there's a certain awareness for you of that reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm not necessarily talking about privilege, which is sometimes synonymous with whiteness. Right. But, and I don't know how you've worked at this. I don't know what experience you, you've had in life that make you aware of these things or or as sensitive as you are. It doesn't feel disingenuous. It doesn't feel like you're just this way because, oh, you know, a black person is in the room or, you know, right. you're trying to not offend a person of color. I, I feel like there's this genuineness about you trying to figure out what does it mean for me to be a white woman in this world, in in the spaces that you're in, how does that impact you? How does that impact your family? But how does that impact others? And, and there's a, a certain degree of critical reflection that is constantly happening for you 
And I appreciate that. And it's mm-hmm. not because you you want to go out and change the world or you think you have the answer or you should come up with the answer mm-hmm. or you must do something to to change someone or something or some system. Right. It's just this genuine awareness of being present. And, and I, I get the sense that that's what you want to do and that's what you want to be. But you're also wondering, what does it, what does it mean for me to be and do that in this white shell? Yeah. As this white person, as this white woman with all of the history and all of the realities of your existence, what does it mean? And so I appreciate the way that you live into all of that. You know, I think it's... A- probably a several episode podcast to try to reflect through what has changed. But I think I've moved around so much. I I knew people of different cultures and different backgrounds. And so I tried to listen through someone else's ears and and to hear. That's the simplistic version of that. Um, I think working and as Brendan and I, talked about working in an all black office has a real impact because you're like I I became aware of the things that I didn't see before. I don't know what to do with that. And I don't think I go save the world, but I I do think that I have responsibility, but I don't know how to talk to white people about this because because then I sound like the white race police, right? They're the white PC folks and so I you know, I wrestle with how I participate in this larger picture. One of the concerns that I have is that we do not come to a better place unless we're in relationship with one another. And how do people get in relationship with one another? Because it's ridiculous to say, I'd like to have a black friend or I'd like to have a white woman friend named Karen to, to figure out things. Um, I don't think that that's not that's not fair to black folks, it's not even faithful to authenticity. So I actually don't know how we get to a better place than the just muck that we're in now. Yeah. On some level, I'm thinking about the challenge that you said you have with having conversations with white folk. Mm -hmm. Because in some levels, I think the true challenge for you, Katie, is not the relationships that you will build or foster with black folks. But given what I just said about the thing that I like about you, the authenticity, the reflection, it's the the responsibility and the obligation that I believe you have to, I don't want to say transform other white people. That sounds, that's, that's strong language. But... Uh, <laughs> To testify but to, to you or yeah, to, yeah, you know. yeah, to use this kind of uh, evangelical language, why not? Right, right. This Christian language, but no, to, to, to testify. The problem with testifying means that I'm then using your story or Brandon's story or this person's story and that person's story. And that's not what I want to do. So I think it's reflecting on how I, Correct. like it's reflecting on my story Correct. in the midst of that environment that becomes the testimony correct you don't have to use anyone else's story you have to i mean use your use your own story we live in a world or a society where somebody is going to be testifying Mm -hmm. somebody is going to be the voice who's who's setting kind of a, a tone or an agenda or trying to have these conversations i would prefer it be someone like you Someone who brings a certain level of genuine, authentic presence and reflection to what it means, again, to be, to be white. 
Like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean for yourself? What does that mean for other people? What does that mean? Like, like, and and I've only ever felt a, a, such a, a deep level of authenticity from you that I'm not saying that you have all the right answers or that you know, you know, you got this, you got this shit down or under control or, you know, <laughs> right. Katie is the, she has arrived. No, I, I don't believe that one bit. But I do believe that your journey is genuine and authentic in a way that it will allow other people to take more seriously the questions that you are asking yourself. For someone like you, I think that is difficult because I do think it puts an impetus on you to be, to feel like you have a greater responsibility um, to, 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 to be more active in mm. these conversations and these, these types of, of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and whether you feel like you should, I feel like you should. I'm like, <laughs> Katie should definitely be involved. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. And it, I've certainly sensed that calling, that responsibility and that calling and have been wrestling with what that looks like and how that manifests itself. You can't see because we have masks on, but I, I'm smiling as I'm listening to you and thinking about what gives you life and recognizing that one of your greatest gifts, at least as I experience it, I assume that extends to other people as well, is your tremendous affirmation of the work that people do. That is a tremendous gift that you have and I think is the way that you show others that worth. Hmm. Um where did you learn that? Did you learn it from someone serving in that role with you or a yearning for that? So literally I grew up in the church singing, praying, being very active. And from my own family and from others who were a part of those congregations, they were very affirming growing up. Oh boy, you sure can't sing or you sound like a preacher and all this mm -hmm. stuff. That's not why I am a preacher. No, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a preacher just because someone told me I sounded like one. But in my childhood, I was affirmed in those in those things. I don't know that I understood it as affirmation and the impact that it had on mm. me at that time. And I don't even know that that's why I am affirming of others. This is going to turn into a therapy session. We'll see. My mom and dad separated when I was young. And I think I grew up yearning for the approval and affirmation of my dad more than I received. Mm. Not because he didn't necessarily want to give it, but just because there was an absence of his presence in my life on a large scale. So when things happened, he wasn't there to affirm. He wasn't there to say, it's okay that this didn't happen because you are still a great person or you still have this or you still have that. And so I find myself wanting to make sure that people have that. And they may, I'm, and yeah. I'm not making the assumption that they don't. Right. But if if I am a part of their life, they should have it from me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't control what everybody else does. Right. But if I'm a part of your life and something happens, if the other 100,000 people in your life don't affirm you, I should. Yeah, yeah. And that's the part I can control. And so that's what I, that's what I choose to do. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You think so? I do, I do. <laughs> Just from when I've experienced it, it, sometimes it comes out of the blue. And so I think for me, hearing you talk about it, it connects me to the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. I wonder if you sense something when you send an email or send a Slack message, right? Because you got you have really good timing. You have a kind of timing, <laughs> I would say, only God knows. Only God. 
I often tell people I have the gift of discernment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a discerning thing. And sometimes it's a give people their flowers while they're living. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't wait until the house is on fire to affirm or tell people how special or how amazing or how great they are. Do it at random. Do it because it's Tuesday. Do it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it, yeah. it, there shouldn't be a special moment that, that forces you to, to do these things. Um, but then there are some times where I have this very keen sense of discernment. And I do know that it's needed in that moment. Mm-hmm. I do know that somebody's going through some stuff. I mean, and it's not that I've been eavesdropping or overheard a conversation. It's really this overwhelming feeling that it's needed in the moment. So right. it's the Holy Spirit, yeah. you know, if you believe in that kind of thing. <laughs> I think you and I might be the only ones who do. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Maybe it has something to do with being raised by my... Well, I wasn't really raised by my grandmother, but she had a a huge impact on my life. And so uh, I'm sure that's a contributing factor. Well, you've talked about her, that she... I mean, she really believed in prayer. You all knelt by the couch, right? You know? We was almost almost daily, either in the... Yeah, almost daily, we were were praying. This was a a woman who never learned to read or write, fourth or fifth grade education, um, there are so many things that were really um, unsophisticated about her, mm-hmm. really kind of rudimentary or, or elementary, but uh, the impact that she had on my life is so significant. Yeah. You know, if I was rich and could name a, buy a building and name after <laughs> her or establish a, a, a scholarship or foundation in her, in her honor, because she was just, she was an ordinary person. But the impact she had on me was so profound. Uh, I would want to memorialize and immortalize her in so many different ways. Yeah, yeah. The thought that came to my mind is that your life does that. It's in your life. And then the gift that you give to other people, that's how her life just continues to have a broader reach. That's true. But when I die, people won't remember that. (laughs) They might. (laughs) Let's hope. Well, that's a wrap. Sam had to go make more lawnmower juice, and I'm headed home to see if the final science project is completed. So it's back over to you, Brandon. I think it's a conspiracy. Sam is determined not to talk to me today, but that's fine. Thanks for handing it back, KT. I hope that y'all enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next Tuesday for me and Malcolm's conversation. We're not talking about lawnmower juice, though. (laughs) Don't stop listening yet. You know the deal. Go ahead and hit that subscribe, that follow button. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know what you think. Rate, review if you're in Apple Podcasts. Visit feelatmedia.com. Sign up for the newsletter. And get ready for that Christmas special next Thursday. Christmas Eve special, that is. Y'all better groove. E, 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 E. Ooh, that's my shit.